Good morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. Such a beautiful day, isn't it? God is good. He is good. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus and enjoy him and each other. And that's the goal of this, to lift up Jesus and to hear from him. So let's start singing to the Lord together. Come on. Come on. Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here. That's our prayer this morning, God. The King of Heaven cries up. Who could stand against us? You are strong to say in your mighty name, King of Heaven come. Amen. Oh, we are come on. children of your mercy, rescued for your glory. That's what we want, God. The King of Heaven, come now. King of Heaven, come now. Let your glory reign, shining light today. King of Heaven, come. The King of Heaven, rise up. Who could stand against us? You are strong to say. In your mighty name, King of heaven, come. Amen. All right, King of heaven, come on. King of heaven. That's our prayer, we say, King of heaven, come in this place in our hearts, God, King of heaven, come and fall on this nation, Jesus, King of heaven, come, King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come now. Let your glory reign, shining light today. King of heaven, come. The King of heaven, rise up. 
Thank you, Tom. Thank you, praise team. Welcome, everybody. My name's Chris Doyle. We want to welcome you to Rimrock Church this morning. If you're new to Rimrock, if you've been coming for a while, uh, we have a gift for you out at the Welcoming Center. Make sure to stop in there. In the seat back in front of you, you'll see a card you can fill out. That allows us to know a little bit more about you and also for us to be able to connect with you. We have some things coming up uh, today is the first step class. So at the 10.30 uh, service time in the gathering center, which is straight out, that's your opportunity to learn more about Rimrock Church. Next Sunday and on the 9th, so that would be October 2nd and October 9th, we're gonna have the community membership classes. Jeannie Short is gonna lead a class during the 10.30 uh, worship hour, again, in the gathering center. This is your chance, so you've been coming you're attending church, you're feeling the connection and the draw to come back, and there's something more. Jeannie will give you an opportunity to learn about how to actually connect within the church. And so I would really encourage you to do that if you feel that draw to come more involved, become more involved at Rimrock. Five years ago, right now, we were preparing to embark on a, a partnership with the missions fields in India. So the church leadership and the world mission team had felt compelled to support missions in India. You'll remember some of you that were here, Steve Balsley was drawn into that and there was a, there was a fire burning in him. So what we did was we had our fall fill up and we asked you if you wanted to support that mission field and we were blown away that evening or the next day when we realized that the church wholeheartedly stood behind a five-year financial commitment. In addition to the financial commitment, there was a prayer commitment that we made as well. And so I just thank those of you that have been praying regularly for IET, for the missions field in India, and for the entire church for continuing to allow us to come up and share with you what's happening in India. The founder of that mission field is P.G. Vargas. And P.G. was struck by a very simple thought in 1971. And the thought was, how many people don't know the story of Christmas? And with that very simple thought placed on his mind, and with the Holy Spirit driving him, he and his wife, Lily, began a mission of simply conveying the story of Christmas to those that had never heard of the name Jesus Christ. And from that has grown a tremendous mission. PG and Lily have dedicated their lives to serving Christ by reaching out to the unreached, people that just simply had not heard of or had an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. They have five children. Those children have supported them, obviously, in that ministry. 
This morning we are so privileged and honored that PG, Lily, and Grace are here at Rimrock with us. And so, would you give them a warm welcome, and would you come up here, please? PG, welcome to Rimrock. And uh, we're going to give you about seven to ten minutes, and then I'm going to come up and pull the microphone from you. Uh, I traveled for a day, 24 hours, to speak for seven minutes. <laughs> you have your Bible with you? Let me read a Bible verse. But you will not find it in your Bible. I translated in the way I wanted to read it. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 to 5. It is not in your Bible. Let me read it for you. The New Living Translation, I changed a little bit with the permission of the Holy Spirit. For I can testify that Rimrock Evangelical Church gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in India. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Where is the clock? Thank God they don't have a clock. Hallelujah, I am free. <laughs> I was born in extreme South India, but it pleased the Lord to save me on October 1st, 1971, when I was serving in the Indian Army up in Kashmir. I was returning after hearing a Muslim who came from Pakistan and I heard the gospel for the first time when I was 29 years old. In my denomination, which is called Syrian Orthodox Church, the words salvation or born again is not there. It is a tradition. But it pleased the Lord to save me. I went home and I told my wife I'm going to my neighbor to talk about Jesus. And I told what happened to me. That is the only message I knew. I said I was a sinner. I accepted Jesus Christ sitting in a military vehicle. He changed my life. And what he did for me, he can do for you. He did not accept Jesus on that day. But after six months, I had the privilege to see him being baptized by my pastor. So what I'm trying to tell you is that I immediately became a uh, 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 witness for the Lord as what he did for me. Before my salvation, I never loved my wife. I loved her maybe, but I never liked her because I thought she's short. She is not beautiful. But after my salvation, God did a surgery on my eyes too. I thought she's so beautiful. I wanted the whole world to see how pretty she, she is. So I started to take her for an evening walk through the Himalaya mountains. We live on the Kashmir on the mountains. 
we will go one day this way, next day this way, next. After three months, Christmas week, I was sitting, we were sitting on a rock. We sang two songs, and I said my small prayer, and Lily started her long prayer. I opened my eyes at the clock. From where did you come? Why did you come? Uh, when she was praying, I opened my eyes, looked at the blue mountains, and I started to cry. I said, Lily, do you see those fires? There were fires, one fire, second fire. There were 50, 60 fires. I said, Lily, do you see those fires? She said, we see them every day. I said, no, that is not what I'm talking. There is a family, that's the cooking fire of the people living on the mountain. In the evening, if it is not raining, they will be cooking their food in the open. So I was seeing the cooking fires. I said, Lily, there is a family of seven, 10, 15 people behind every fire. They never heard there was a Christmas. <sighs> the world had been celebrating Christmas for 2,000 years. They have a right to hear at least once there was a Christmas. I heard it only once. It changed my life. Maybe I can go to a village and I can preach about Jesus. Somebody will get saved. He can go to the next village. He can, he, somebody will get saved. He, Lily, we can take the whole India. Let us go. She was frightened. She said, if you'll go, they will kill you. She was pregnant. And she said, our child will be fatherless. Don't go. I asked a question which Holy Spirit in my heart, which I am passing to you, should not they hear at least once there was a Christmas. I took her hand in my hand and I started to squeeze it and I said, should not they hear at least once there was a Christmas. Let's go. She said, I don't want to go, but if you will go, I will come with you. So we dedicated our lives to reach the unreached at any cost. God was very kind to me and Lily. I resigned my job. I was a sergeant in the Indian Army. She's a teacher. She rejected her job. And we selected a least, one of the least evangelized villages of India, Katra, Vaishnav Devi, a Hindu pilgrim center. God was so kind to me. I baptized 100 people in one year time. It never happened in the history of that state. And then few people came to me and said, we want to be trained by you. Can you train us? I trained them, five people, and we lose them all over North India. In the last 50 years, God was so kind to, you, to give me the privilege to plant 11,000 churches in North India. We have three over 3,000 uh, missionaries uh, working there. Sometimes I think, oh, I did great job. No, 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 no. It was in 1994, 94, 94, 95. We purchased a van, small van. I took my family, Lily, and all my children. 
we started to drive. Uh, we live in Delhi, the capital of India. We started to drive from town to town to village to village and village and village. Every village I would stand there and I'll ask my children, look around. There is no church. Do you know why there is no church? Because nobody came. If somebody should have gone there, I thank you, church, for supporting us. Because of your contribution and contribution, we could, you could support 30 pastors in an unreached, poor area. I want to say thank you very much. Not only that, you are praying. If you are not praying, I urge you, I request you to pray. Because our pastors are paying a big price. They are persecuted. Their homes are burned. <laughs> Their women are raped. <laughs> I can tell you stories after stories of the persecution. Pray for us. Because our brothers are in the battlefield. They are going from, in the last two years, because of the COVID, 24 of our pastors died. Why? Because they are traveling in the buses. They get infected. But your church was so kind to contribute a few motorbikes. So that, so that a motorbike is like a SUV in your country. So you gave us. And not only that, you are praying. I'm 80 years old. I'm 80. No, 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 no. I made a mistake. I'm 49 plus. I'm 49 plus 31. Plus one. So you can take whichever you want. So people ask me, how come you are healthy? How come you are traveling? I'm, a no, I'm an unstoppable man by the grace of God. Nobody can stop me. Not the devil. Not the Communist Party. Not the anti-Christians. I'm traveling because people like you are praying for us. When I was having, when I was celebrating 80 years age and 50 years in the ministry, 80 plus 50 years, can somebody help me? 130, thank you, brother. I'm poor in mass. I decided I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to, I'm going to give something to God back. I decided that I will go walk on the street of India, South India, and preach in 130 places from the street. I went there December 1st to January 10th this year. Myself and my wife, we went there. We started from the extreme South India, and we started to travel by a minibus to north. We stopped the vehicle at 131 places, 132 places, and I preached. As I preached, Lily distributed books. I preached and I went away. Nobody is going to hear the message. But I left 35,000 books in different homes. They will be reading it. And I have another dream. I wanted to go all over North India. From, from February 21st to April 13th, which is my birthday, we will go from Delhi to Bombay to Calcutta to Nepal to Bhutan to Kashmir and come back. We will preach the gospel in every state. 
we want you to pray for us. Your partnership is very valuable. Pastors, believers, thank you. I salute you. God bless you. So while Lily and Grace come up here, PG, we just thank you for taking the time to come here. You have blessed us. This is Grace. Say good morning to Grace. And this is Lily. So at noon today, if you're available in the gathering place, we're going to have a light lunch. But it's an opportunity to hear more about what's actually happened, what is happening. Just a chance to fellowship with them. Um, Lily has had an issue with a cough for quite a while, several months. And so we're going to lift her up in prayer for God to just heal that cough. PG is embarking on a journey of, of great exercise to preach to a large area. And Grace is just here in America mm -hmm. supporting her family and taking care of her parents. And so we're just thankful that you could join us. Please join us in prayer. Heavenly Father, you just showed us how simple your gospel is we just ask for strength and empowerment to break through our fear to reach out to those who are unreached in our lives right here in rapid city whether in our neighborhood our home in our workplace or just in a store with somebody who we feel compelled to talk to god thank you for giving us people like pg and lily who demonstrate that the book of Acts is alive today and we just pray for a blessing on them in your name amen as we worship you let all the world come and see how the mercy we've received from you can set them free as we worship you let all this joy that fills our hearts bring a hunger and a hope to those who've strayed so far. As we bow in adoration and stand in reverent awe, show your majesty and glory that you're anointing for. As we declare your name, Lord Jesus, as the only name who saves, may the power of your salvation fill each heart, we pray. As we worship let all the nations hear our song. Song of Jesus and his blood that fruit is love for all. As we worship him, may all the lost and broken come. May they hear your still small voice call out their names, each one. As we bow in adoration and stand in reverend show your majesty and glory let your anointing fall 
As we declare your name, Lord Jesus, as the only name who saves, may the power of your salvation fill each heart, we pray. Every son and every daughter, every 
church arise. Amen. Now sing after me. Whoa, whoa. Thank you so much for the amazing life you're living through PG and Lily and his family, God. And Lord, we just pray that somehow you would change us in such a way that our lights would shine into a warped and crooked generation. And as Ben's up here to speak, God, you've been whispering in his ear all week what you want to talk about, what you want us to hear, God. Open the eyes of our hearts. Right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. And on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, and he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house would be called a house of prayer for all nations. Say, all nations. Let's say it all together. All nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking as a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And then evening came, and Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning they went along, and they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, that fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to the mountain, go, throw yourselves in the sea, and does not doubt in their hearts, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe it, that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. For your Father in heaven may forgive you, you, your sins. And then if you have NIV, you'll notice there's no verse 26. If you have King James Version or in the NSV, it says, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, who is in heaven, forgive your transgressions. And so there's many manuscripts that we have of the Bible. And the oldest ones, we don't have verse 26. And some of the newer ones that the King James is based on, there is that verse. And that's the same verse as found in Matthew chapter 6. And they arrived again in Jerusalem. And while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you the authority to do this? And Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. And they discussed it among themselves, and they said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. And Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. So in our staff meeting, as we, uh, we discussed that passage, um, um, we were talking about, Jesus in this interaction with the Pharisees. And, and by the way, we can't understand everything that's happening here if we don't understand the whole context of the Gospel of Mark because Jesus has been having a big conflict with the Pharisees. We found out earlier in Mark they wanted to kill him, and now we're hearing again they really want to kill him now. And so they've been having an argument about the nature of who God is who we are as human beings. What, what, is the, what is the problem with humanity? What do, we, what do we really need? And how do we overcome those problems? And so that discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees has been going on. Um, and we, uh, we said, you know, my kids play soccer right now, and uh, they like to juke, right? They like to do jukes. They like to get around their opponent, right? And uh, different sports have different ways of doing that. And so uh, Pastor Boomer said, yeah, Jesus just juked the tassels right off the Pharisees there. <laughs> he, he did the ultimate juke, right? They're trying to trap him. They're trying to kill him. And, and he reveals that 
that he is far superior, <laughs> far greater than they can think. And so we see the wisdom, the genius of Jesus here, but also the truth of Jesus piercing into the darkest recesses of the human condition. So the story of the leaves is a parable. Jesus taught in parables. He talked in stories all the time. And I love that about Jesus. And, and I think every culture, whether you're in India, and I've, uh, in Minnesota, we had a lot of Somali immigrants, and we would tell the stories of Jesus. We would share the parables of Jesus, and they loved the stories of Jesus. They, they would sit, and they would ask for more stories that Jesus told. So every culture <laughs> can relate to the stories of Jesus, the parables of Jesus. But the parables are always pointing to something deeper. Now, this isn't just a, a story that Jesus is telling. It's a, it's a living parable. It's, he's acting out a parable. He's, he's, he's revealing something profound and deep in the story of the tree. And so this was a fruitless tree, a tree that looked really good on the outside. It looked like it was healthy. It looked like it was a good tree. But when they got closer, there was nothing on the tree that would show that it would ever bear fruit. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's exposing a reality. He's opening the curtains to a window to see. Because remember, there's many blind people that Jesus heals. But, but what we see in the Gospel of Mark is really the blindness, the greatest blindness isn't physical blindness. It's a blindness of heart, a hardness of heart, a blindness of not seeing who God is and who we are and our great need for God. And so there's a blindness, and this tree reveals something. And it's interesting that verse 12, we see something about Jesus. It says, he was hungry. I don't think that was a mistake that that was included in this story, because it fits in the theme and the, this subject that we've seen throughout the gospel of Mark about what is what is the true human need? What do we really need? What do we really want? What do we really desire as human beings? And what will fulfill us? Remember Jesus fed the, the 5,000 with the bread and the loaves, and there was abundance of bread and fish, and the crowds followed him. And the Gospel of John, he says, Jesus says, you were looking for bread, but I am the bread of life. And so what do we need as human beings? And so Jesus was hungry. This tells us two things about Jesus. Jesus is fully human. He fully became one of us. It's Christmas, the incarnation. Jesus became man. The word took on flesh. Jesus became fully man. We also see from this story that he's fully God. Where do we see that he's fully God? Well, he withers a tree. <laughs> Can you wither a tree? <laughs> I can't wither a tree. Only God has power over the trees. And we saw that Jesus had power over the wind or the waves. He has power over blindness. He could heal the lame. He could forgive sins. We see the authority of Jesus in his divinity, but we see him in his humanity. And he identifies us in what, with us in which way? He is hungry. This is the human condition. We are hungry people. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about food. I think there's something much deeper here. We need food. We need water. We need shelter. We need clothes. 
But we need more than that. There's something deeper that we need. Jesus was hungry. We are hungry people. And Jesus wants to reveal what can truly satisfy us, what can truly satisfy the world. And so we have the story of the fig tree, and in between the story of the fig tree, we have Jesus going to the temple courts. Now this is connected. Going to the temple courts is connected with the fig tree. He's opening the curtains. He's helping us see something. The true condition of the nation of Israel, the true condition of the Pharisees, the true condition of the disciples, our true condition. He's saying it looks good on the outside. Now, this temple court area is huge, maybe 12 football fields in size. This is a huge area. And this area was designated as a place of prayer and worship for the Gentiles, people outside of the Jewish ethnic race, but people who come to faith in God and want to worship God. And this place was designated for them, but they filled it with vendors and money changers. And they were selling things there. And they were, they were um, it looked successful. It looked good on the outside. It looked productive. But Jesus went there, and what does he do? He, he begins to overthrow tables. He begins to drive them out of that place. Now, I think this also points to the divinity of Jesus. Like, no one opposes him. <laughs> like, this is a powerful moment where, where Jesus comes in with a passion and a zeal, and he drives people out, and, and no one can stop him. Nothing can stop him. This is a passion. This is a holy passion. There is a power, and the Pharisees later say, by what authority are you doing this? They, they recognize there was an authority. There's a power at work here. I think this morning we saw that there's a, a power at work in, 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 in J.P. Vargas, P.J. Vargas. We see a power at work. There's a power of the Holy Spirit at work. And the Pharisees recognize it. The people recognize it. There's something at work that's, that's coming into the world and revealing something. And Jesus quotes two Old Testament scriptures. He quotes Isaiah 56 and Jeremiah 7. Both of these passages reveal the purpose of God, the heart of God, which is a heart of blessing, salvation, hope. But it's a, it's a blessing, it's a salvation, hope, not just for Israel, but for the nations of the world. You go back and you read Isaiah 56, and it's the people that, that the Jewish people thought, they're excluded, they can't come, and God says, no, my heart is the, to bless them. Let the foreigners come. Let them receive my blessing. Let them, let them hear who I am and what I want to do and the salvation I want to bring to them. In Jeremiah 7, he talks about the temple and how they had turned the temple into a place of corruption and self-betterment. So they had turned a place of worship into selfish gain. And he says, if you do not change your ways and your actions and deal with each other's justly, if you do not stop oppressing the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow the gods your own harm, then I will let you live in this place in the land I gave your ancestors forever. And so God is saying, Repent. <laughs> Repent. Change your way. Change your thinking from a, a selfish way of thinking because my ways are not your ways. 
I have a purpose and I have a plan and it's bigger than you. <laughs> so what do we have here in the parable? We have a, a good looking tree that looks good on the outside, but it's not fulfilling its purpose. God made the tree to bear fruit, to give, to bring life. God had a purpose for that tree and it wasn't living out its purpose. Israel was not living out its purpose. God's purpose was to bring blessing, to bring hope, to bring salvation to the world, the whole world. And he said, I chose you to be a light unto the nations. But I think this parable is just bigger than Israel. I think this is the human condition. In our sin, we are so selfish. We are so self-centered but we were created for more. We were created for more than just to be good-looking trees, good-looking people, a good-looking church. We were created for a purpose greater than ourselves. We were created to be with God and His purpose of bringing blessing, to bring hope, to bring healing. God said to Abraham, I will call you to be a blessing to the nations, to all people. You were created for more, Abraham, than just being a wealthy trader. I created you for a purpose. And God is saying that to his people today. He's saying that to you. You are created for more. And so this parable of the tree is connected to the purpose of God and why he needed to come into the world because we couldn't solve this problem on our own, this problem of self-centeredness, this problem, problem of, of, of only betterment of ourselves and not, not realizing who God is and what we were created for and what God is doing in the world. We couldn't escape it on our own. We were trapped in our own sin, in our own selfishness. And so we needed intervention and that's why Jesus came in the world and why he needed to die on a cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so Jesus cleared the temple and it's a picture of judgment. But today is the day of salvation. <laughs> today is a day of hope. Today is a day of grace. Today is a day of blessing. And so what's the tree withered? It's a tree not receiving life from God. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me, remain in me, and you will bear fruit. Your purpose will be realized when you come to me and you know me and I am in you and you are in me and together in this beautiful abiding relationship, fruit will be produced. And what is the fruit? Verse 22 have faith in God. Have faith in God. Here's the solution. <laughs> Here's the solution to fruitless trees, to, 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 to the problem of the human condition. Have faith in God. So, so when the Apostle Paul heard these words of Jesus, the Holy Spirit came inside of Paul and inspired him and filled him with the Holy Spirit. And he wrote a book in the Bible called Romans <laughs> The whole book of Romans is a commentary explaining verse 22. Have faith in God. This is the answer. This is the solution to our dilemma, to our hunger, to our need. The deepest need that we have is God himself. 
It's not doing better, working harder. True solution that God has provided for us is faith in God. And so Paul spends chapters and chapters and chapters explaining the grace of God, the goodness of God, the righteousness of God. And he says, this righteousness from God is from faith, from first to last. There's no other solution. This is it. This is why Jesus came into the world, so that we could be trees that bear fruit. (laughs) This is God's purpose for us, but not just for us, for the whole world. For all the nations have faith in God. Verse 23 um, has been misused many times. Uh, Truly I say to you, if anyone says this mountain, go throw yourselves in the sea and does not doubt. And people have used this to try to say, you know, you're not healed or you don't have a car or you don't have a house because you don't have enough faith. But, but, But that totally misses the point here. Jesus is describing something so much better. So much better than just personal betterment. He's describing freedom. He's describing the fruitfulness that can come into my life and your life. He's describing what's possible for the people that he has come to redeem for his people. For you and for me and for his people in India and all over the world. He's invited us into this life of faith the fruitful life, the abundant life, as John says, eternal life. It's not just when you go to heaven, it's it's for us now. And it's a life of prayer and dependence, not on ourselves, but on God. That's what prayer is. It's dependence on God and not ourselves. So what is the mountain? What is the obstacle? So this is another parable. He's not talking literally about mountains. He's talking about the greatest obstacles to human fulfillment, human life, human fruitfulness, our purpose, what we were created for. And he lists one here. I think one of the greatest obstacles, he says, is unforgiveness. One of the greatest obstacles is unforgiveness. I remember I was a new pastor, and uh, I was brand new in a church as an intern, and, and I was just learning what it means to be a pastor, how to minister. And I remember being invited over uh, to uh, a family's home who was part of the church. And uh, they had a really cool house. Uh, they had taken an old barn and they had turned it into this beautiful house. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was beautiful. And uh, they had done so much. And so uh, we enjoyed a dinner with them and afterwards we sat down and we began to talk, and they began to share their stories. But, but what came out of that conversation was um, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment. And they described broken relationships in their family and their friends. And there was so much anger and so much resentment. And I, I felt overwhelmed as a young pastor. What do I say? What do I do? But I've been a pastor for, for 20 years, and I can tell you, the greatest obstacle I see in my life and all of our lives so many often is unforgiveness, hurts, resentments. And what I thought about as we left that place that night is, is they had a, a beautiful house, a beautiful property. On the outside, it looked so successful, but they were some of the most miserable people that I'd ever sat with. And I started thinking, what is Jesus talking about here? The human condition, apart from God, 
will always lead to looking good on the outside, but rot on the inside. And I think there's some of you here who can relate to that, right? Like everyone would say, look what a successful person you are. Look at all these great accomplishments. But many times we are dying on the inside. And so what's, what does God do? He says, have faith in him. Look to him. And he says, say to this mountain, say to this mountain of unforgiveness, be removed and it will be done. And it will happen. And this is the fruitful life. I've met many people who on the outside were impoverished. They didn't even have their next meal. But their lives were overflowing with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. And they had a light. <laughs> I remember sitting with some Mexicans who, were, who, who did not have homes, didn't have anything. They didn't have cars. They only had the clothes in their backs. And they were going from prison to prison, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. They were preachers. They were planting churches in prisons. But I've never been around people who are so full of life. I wanted to spend time with these people because they gave to me. I left encouraged. They asked for nothing. They had so much to give. Where does that come from? Where does that fruit come from to be so unselfish, to give so abundantly and freely of themselves for the good of others? Where does that come from? It comes from God. Jesus came to deliver us from our bondage, to throw off the chains of addiction and hurt and resentment and unforgiveness in our lives so we can be free to live for God's glory. I'm going to close here with a story of my uncle, um, Jill's uncle, Steve Saint. He was invited to come to the United Nations and share. And he shared his story that as a young boy, his father was murdered in Ecuador. He and four friends had gone into a tribe in Ecuador to bring the good news of Jesus to a people who had never heard the name of Jesus. And they were speared to death. And he told this story in front of the United Nations, but saying right next to him was an older man named Minkai. And he began to share the good news of Jesus. And then he turned and he said, this man, Minkai, speared my father to death. And Minkai began to share of the power of Jesus Christ to forgive him and to set him free from anger. And see, the people of Minkai had a 90% homicide rate. The murder rate was so high, there were no grandparents in that people because every time something was done, the other families had to take revenge and get even with that family. But something powerful happened in Minkai's life because the sister of Steve Saint and a few other Elizabeth Elliot went back to that tribe and instead of anger and resentment and revenge, they spoke about the forgiveness of Jesus, the love of Jesus, to set them free. And Minkai stood there before the United Nations and said, today I have grandchildren. And today, this man calls me grandfather. How could a man say grandfather to the man who killed his father? How is that possible? And these leaders of the nations began to weep and they came up and afterward and said, this is the solution to the world's problems. This is it. This will solve the problems of our world. And this is why Jesus came, to set us free, to deliver us. Minkai spent time in our home. We got to go and stay in Minkai's home. 
And you know what he shared? And the other men who speared those men, you know what they said? Our hearts used to be full of darkness and bitterness and anger. But today, we have love. We have joy. We have peace. And today, we give to others. Today, we send people to other tribes to share the name of Jesus to other places. That's a fruitful tree. That's what Jesus came to do. The worship team's going to come up, and I want to read out of Psalm 96. This has always been God's purpose. This is why Jesus was so passionate in that week to go to the cross, because he knew the problems that the world had. But this is his purpose. Sing to the Lord a new song. He wants us to sing. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord, he made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. This life is not about us. It's about him, his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that it is. Let the fields be jubilant. Everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all the creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes. Did you know Jesus is coming back? And not just to clear a temple court, but to bring all the nations before him. It says... Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. And they need to hear, right, PJ? They need to hear. PG, I'm sorry. They need to hear. That's why we send people to go, to share. He comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world in righteousness and all the peoples in his faithfulness. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. Let's stand and sing this to the Lord. Sing. I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart Come on, lift it up, Sam It's all about 
thank you that you know what's in us and yet you still love us that you gave everything for us God and our prayers that we would shine your light into this nation into all nations in Jesus name amen hey see us uh, Wednesday night for small groups and again uh, next Sunday morning amen all right